It's been said that mothers are God's representatives on earth. It's a bit sentimental, but true in so many ways. It's not a coincidence that God helps us understand who He is by comparing Himself to a mother. Isaiah 66:13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. The mother of Moses sets an excellent example for us of what a mother should be. His mother risked her life saving her son from death. If it were not for the mother of Moses, history might have been very different. Moses' mother had a fierce love that defied the authority of the most powerful government and the most powerful leader on the earth at that time. Moms teach us what true, unconditional love is. With more on the mother's role in the family, here's Pastor Alan. Happy Mother's Day. Did you really wish me a happy Mother's Day? (laughs) A mother is an amazing creature. Someone sent me a video clip uh, this past week that demonstrates the fierce love of a mother. She uh, sadly had just buried her husband, uh, but she had a newborn baby with the man she loved, died. Her husband had died of cancer, and she was left alone with her, her little baby. And one night, the thing that I think everybody thinks about at one time or another and dreads, two men came to her door and tried to get in. And she could see through the window that, that they had a massive knife in their hand, and she immediately called 911 and asked for permission to shoot them. And so the, the dispatcher said, well, I can't give you permission to do that, but I can tell you to do whatever it takes to defend yourself. So she went into the bedroom and got her husband's shotgun and pistol, just in case, and as that man with a long knife came through the door. She just let her rip and killed the guy. Wow, what a Mother's Day story. The police officer came along and said to her, you did the right thing. You were defending yourself. She went on the news and she said, if I had to do it again, without... Without a hesitation or a question, I would do it again, because nobody messes with my baby. So the moral of the story is this, don't mess with the mother. Don't mess with the mother. Last week, I mentioned to you a scripture passage from 2 Timothy 3, talking about what it will be like in the last days. We really understand how important the family is. And that's why we wanted to do this series before we, uh, uh, well, during this season, because it's a season, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and so on and so forth. And we, we want to stop and consider what's happening to our culture right now. And I think, I, we don't have anybody here living with their head in the sand. You, you know what I'm talking about when I say that the family is no longer valued as we understand the, the, the family. 
It's been undermined. We've got a new definition of what a family is. We've got a new definition of what parents are. Um, Nothing is the way it was. And the Apostle Paul said this, in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. I'll tell you, this was written almost 2,000 years ago, but boy, is it ever an accurate description of what we're seeing now. They'll be scoffing at God. They'll be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And then verse 3 says they'll be without natural affection. Now, those of you who, uh, who maybe are familiar with 2 Timothy 3, uh, you'll notice that verse 3 that's, that's up there, without natural affection, is actually the King James Version of that verse. All the other versions of the Scripture, they do not translate it as it's written in the Greek. Now, you'll know that I rarely uh, bring up the Greek because I don't want to give anybody the impression that the only way you can read your Bible and understand it is if you know the Greek. But in this situation, in this case, I need to point this out to you. That word, with, uh, where it says without natural affection, that word natural affection is that Greek word estorgia, which, uh, which has at its root estorgio, uh, which means natural affection. Now, this word estorgio uh, is one of four Greek words that help us understand what love is. It's, the, it's an actual word for love. But you'll notice that the word stergio is not actually even in any of the New Testament, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. The only word that is, is a version of it, which is astergia, which means natural affection. This word stergio, it refers to what we would call natural love that members of the same family would have for one another. Did you get that? Stergio, natural love that members of the same family have for each other. Now, It is such a common characteristic of all people that there was apparently no occasion to refer to it at all because everybody understands it. It would be like stating the obvious. Of course a mother loves her son or her daughter. Of course a husband loves his wife. Of course a father loves his children. Of course children love their parents. But the Apostle Paul is saying in the last days, there's going to be a massive change. People will not have that natural affection. They will not have that natural love, the love that all of us take for granted. He says that's going to change. And so we recognize that this natural affection, this natural love, is becoming more and more absent in our culture and society. You see children who hate their parents and, and quite frankly, parents who hate their children. It doesn't make any sense. It goes against the natural order of things. And so Paul says, when people lose their instinctive love for their own parents and children, they are thus without natural affection. This, Paul says, is a sign of the end of times. I couldn't help but think of what we've seen here in Canada since 1967. The widespread abortions in these last days. In Canada, do you know that there are 31 abortions for every 100 live births? 
that's it's almost a third of all births are aborted. That comes, comes up to roughly 100,000 abortions every year. People in the last days will be without natural affection. Now, before we go any further, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ellen, I, I've been through that, I want you to know God in his mercy and grace is not condemning you. And I'm certainly not condemning you or judging you either. Whatever your weakness or failing as, as a father, a mother, or even a child, understand this. God does not judge you or condemn you. Rather, lovingly, as a loving father, the loving father that he declares himself to be, he shows you a more excellent way. He shows you what his plan is. He shows you what his purpose, what he wants for you. And so don't anybody go away from here saying, Pastor Allen really made me feel bad today, because that's not my intention. My intention is to teach this generation what God's plan is for us and what God's order is. Some women are of the opinion that motherhood is not a legitimate career choice. And I really saw that, you know, in the 1980s and 90s especially, because it was a, it was a real turning point. There are more and more women going into the job market and getting careers. And by the way, I'm not against that. I, I Two thumbs up. We've seen some uh, amazing leaders, male and female. But the idea or the suggestion that a woman cannot be fulfilled unless she leaves her home and leaves her kids behind and, and goes out to get a career is utter madness. If your choice today is to be a mother and that's your number one choice, kudos. You're on the right track. Debbie Turner Bell, a woman who really was into advancing her career and making a name for herself, and again, nothing wrong with that. She was a, a, a TV anchor for CBS. She was a talk show host, a beauty pageant queen and winner of the 1990 Miss American pageant. She eventually got married because she recognized that time was running out. So she, she got herself married and she decided, they decided they were going to have a child. She was, I think, 44 years old. And so she says, you can see that time really was basically up. She says, I was not prepared in the least for the kind of rapturous, overpowering, all-consuming, feel-it-in-my-bones love that I have for my precious little girl when she was born. Yes, I've heard other moms talk about this love, how they never knew that they could love like this before, how they fell head over heels in love with their child the first time they laid eyes on him or her. I thought it was all hyperbole, the musings of hormone-drenched supermoms that tended towards the dramatic. Well, now I know. I love this little cherub so much it hurts. And that scares the bleep out of me, really and truly. I never knew I could love another human being as deeply and completely as I do my child. Something happened during delivery that awakened the mama bear in me. She says, my protectiveness of this child of mine is so fierce, I would reach down your throat and rip out your kidney without a thought. If you were to threaten the health or the well-being of my daughter, no one is more surprised to hear this than I. 
I am of the make love, not war set. I'm more along the lines of can't we all just get along? I have never in my life been in a fight. If I could avoid a confrontation, I would bend over backwards to do so. I still cry when I get mad because I can't handle the weight of the emotion. But now that I'm a mother, I am willing to go 20 rounds to keep my little girl safe. Wow. Folks, here's what you and I need to understand. There is an unrelenting and a systematic destruction of the family unit as the Bible describes the family unit. We have a culture that is at war with the values of this book, the Bible. The values that are handed down to us by God himself. And we need to see that. We need to see that what's happening in our culture right now is a sign of the last days. Now, it's tempting, isn't it, to just throw up our hands in despair and say, oh, well, i got to live with this somehow. Can't fight it. Might as well go along with it. Or stick your head in the sand and hope that everything will get better. It'll all go away. What needs to happen today, folks, is that we as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to make up our minds that we are going to recommit ourselves to God's plan for the family and to the children that God has entrusted to you. So this morning what I want to do is I want to truly encourage our mothers. I want our moms to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are precious not only to God, but they're precious to us. Now, I know that some of you have been given very, very, and I'm talking to the moms now, you've been given a really tough assignment. The children in your care have not been easy. You look at other families, and it's just, it's been a breeze. You look at other moms and their kids, they just seem to be perfect kids. Anybody know anybody with perfect kids? They're the kids that are never, they never get dirty. They always get straight A's in school. They always look good. They never get zits. Never get their clothes dirty. Don't need tied in my family. My kids don't get dirty. Their hair is perfect. They do well, whatever they do. They got high IQ. You know, you know those moms that like to brag about their kids? Their, their kids who are six and seven years old. This is the doctor and this is the lawyer. You know, those kinds of moms. And you just wonder, God, what did you stick me with? <laughs> My kids, it seems like my kids have got all the problems in the world. Any problem you could think of, my kids have got it. Health problems, asthma, allergies, social awkwardness. It's tough. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand, moms, is that God knew that those little kids needed you. You've been given a special assignment. And the temptation is to back away from that assignment, to say, you know what, I can't do this. I'm going to let somebody else do it. Or I'm, going to just, I'm just going to just sort of go into a holding pattern until they're old enough to get out of the house and go live on their own. I think that really is an enduring pattern now. We just have to endure our kids and hope for the best, cross our fingers and hope that things will work out right. 
Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to share with you a story that I hope will encourage and inspire our moms to get through whatever challenge you may be facing. I want to encourage you by pointing out a mother in the Bible who, in my opinion, is one of the very first heroes in the Bible. Now, the problem is, is that most people have never heard of this woman. She's an amazing woman. Her name is Jochebed. Has anybody ever heard of Jochebed? Anybody? Nobody? One person? Nobody? Honestly, nobody here has heard of Jochebed. Well, this is fantastic. You're going to learn something today. Jochebed was an amazing mother. Her name means glory of Jehovah. This is a woman who took her job seriously. She had three children, and they're three famous children. Are you ready for this? And you're going to know, you're, you're going to know who she is when, I, when you hear who the kids are. By the way, can I just say this, moms? Your kids really are a reflection of you, aren't they, in so many ways. This is why you can't stop working on them. It's why you can't give up on them. See, Pastor Allen, my kids are 33 years old. Guess what? You're still a mom. You still have a job to do. My kids are 40 years old, Pastor Allen. Yeah, you still, you're still a mom. Now listen to this. Jochebed had three children. They had a, she had a daughter by the name of Miriam. Anybody heard of Miriam? Miriam was a gifted poetess, musician, and dancer, and she was closely connected to her two brothers. The first brother is Aaron. Anybody heard of Aaron? Now we know who Jochebed is. Aaron became Israel's first high priest and the founder of the Aaronic priesthood. And then the more famous sibling, whose name was Moses, that's it, who became one of the greatest leaders of Israel. Some would say the greatest leader in Israel, in Israel's history. But more than just the greatest leader in, 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 of Israel, Moses was the greatest legislator that the world has ever known. In fact, our legal system, our law system is based very much on the law code that was handed down through Moses. Moses, as you know, is the one who got the Ten Commandments and, and brought it to the children of Israel. Moses is the one who challenged Pharaoh and had the children of Israel delivered out of Egypt. Now, without Jochebed, there would have been no Moses. Let me explain. Before Moses was born, Pharaoh made a a decree, and said that all the children, all the, all the boy children must be put to death, and here's why. To understand this, we've got to back up a few more years. 400 years earlier, and again, some of you know the story, Joseph is delivered into Egypt and goes into slavery. He has, he has an ability to, to interpret dreams, and immediately he rises up the chain of command until he gets to the second place the second highest place in the land, just under Pharaoh. And Joseph now is the governor of Egypt. He's the one that's responsible for saving the world against the famine that hit the world at that time. Joseph was highly revered by Pharaoh and by everyone in the land. But 400 years later, the new Pharaoh had forgotten about Joseph and what he did. And he saw suddenly the Israelites as a threat. 
These people could rise up and take over the land. They could depose me, Pharaoh thought. And so what are we going to do? Well, we've got to cull the nation. And so we see a genocide take place. These little boys put to death. But Jochebed decided that she was having none of that. She decided she was going to stand up against the, the greatest authority and power in the world. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2. Ready for this, moms? Look at this. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That son, by the way, was Moses. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now, I have not yet met a mom who, when that baby was born, looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, what is this? Ooh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Homely. Looks just like his dad. No. <laughs> I've never seen a mother not look at her baby and say, this is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in the whole world. Wendy and Jarrell were in the first service, and I said to Wendy, when, you, when your little baby is born, you're going to think that there has never been a more beautiful baby born in all the world. And when you have your fifth and your sixth kid, you're going to feel the same way. She just laughed. This woman, Jochebed, had a natu- what we call a natural affection. There was no way on God's green earth that she was going to allow her precious, special little baby to be put to death. And so she decided to hide the baby. And for three months, little Moses was hidden until she realized that she couldn't hide the baby anymore. And she prayed and said, God, show me what to do because I'd rather die than let my little baby die. Don't mess with a mom. And so she created what the Bible describes as a little ark, kind of like a a laundry basket, I guess, without holes in it. And she put the little baby on on the Nile River and sent her daughter Miriam. Miriam, watch out for the baby. Follow the baby along. And I think, I'm pretty sure, that Jochebed thought, well, that little Moses is going to float right right by the palace, right to where Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, was bathing. And when she gets one look at my baby, she's going to fall in love with little Moses. And that's exactly what happened. Pharaoh's daughter reached down into the basket. She knew exactly who this little baby was and where the baby was from. I didn't know the baby by name. I didn't know who the mother was. But she instantly fell in love with that special baby. And Miriam comes running along and says, I know who the mother is. Would you like me to make sure that the mother of this baby continues to feed the child? And Pharaoh's daughter said, that would be a great plan. Miriam takes the baby home. And Jochebed keeps Moses and feeds Moses until he's weaned. And then he goes into the service of Pharaoh. Now, I don't have time to go into the full story, But suffice it to say this, and you can read this on your own. Moses eventually grows up to be the deliverer of Israel from Egypt. How history would be different if Jochebed didn't recognize her responsibility as a mother. Now, I want to encourage every mother here today. You are precious. 
and you've been given a big assignment. Your job is to protect that special baby in your care. And you say, Pastor Allen, but my kids are growing up. Well, it's still your job. No, there's nowhere in the scripture that says when the kid turns 18, you're no longer a mother. You're a mother right to the end. You say, Pastor Allen, what, what do you expect us to do? We feed them, we, we protect them, we make sure they go to school, we give them clothes. I want to tell you, there's a far more important thing that you need to pass on to your kids and that is that they understand that you love them. In our small group, we had our last small group, we had great discussions. But out of the blue, I, I decided I was going to ask everybody a question. And I asked everybody in the room, um, probably about maybe 16, 17 of us, and I said, how many here were never told by your mom or your dad, son, I love you, daughter, I love you? I thought there might be three or four hands that go up. Do you know that almost everybody in our small group, Hannah, you were there, you remember, almost everybody in our group put up their hand and said, my mom, my dad never said, I love you. I was absolutely shocked by that. They all said, I know my mom loves me, I know my dad loves me, but they've never said it. And one person said this, For my mom, she just wasn't capable of saying it. She just could not muster it up. She could not force herself to say, I love you. I I was utterly shocked for their I mean, I could I couldn't even really think straight after that. I want to throw out a challenge to you today. And this will be not just for moms, but for dads as well. And for kids. You need to just tell your kids, I love you. You see, Pastor Allen, that's about the hardest thing you've ever asked me to do. Pastor Allen, I will go, I will go to Iraq and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> I will go to Iran. I will go to Afghanistan. But don't ask me to tell my kids, I love you. And a lot of it's because your parents didn't say it to you. Jochebed looked at little Moses and said, this is a special baby. I'm going to tell you, moms and dads, you have a responsibility to your children. And your responsibility to your children is to make sure that they grow up to know that you love them. Not just in word, not just in in deeds, but in words. You need to tell them, son, I love you. My parents were not perfect people, I can tell you that. And if they were here, they'd tell you that themselves. But one thing that they did do is they'd say, Alan, I love you. In fact, just last night, my dad phoned me out of the blue. And he said, Alan, was just thinking about you and praying for you. And I want you to know, I love you. Now, I can't tell you what a difference that has made in my life. But I do know this, that where kids grow up in a home where they're not sure that they are loved, where they're not sure whether or not they are truly special, where they grow up in a home where they're not sure if they're even loved, those are the kids that grow up and have big troubles. 
In fact, you might be one of those people here today. You grew up in a home and you did not feel loved, you did not feel appreciated, you did not feel embraced, you did not feel that you were special to anybody. Folks, that's precisely why we're doing this series on the family. I'm going to just say this to you. That's the point of the family of God. This is a place where you come. You may have your dysfunction in your family. You may have grown up in a dysfunctional family. But the beautiful thing is that God gives you a new family when you become a Christian. And if there's anybody here today that's never had anybody say, I love you, come to me after the service. I got no problem telling you that. Oh, boy, that is awkward. That is strange. But guess what? Guess what? That is what a healthy, functioning family is all about. It's a place where everybody knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved. And this is why God declares it to us over and over and over again in the Scripture. He declares his love for us. And a lot of us don't even recognize it because we're not used to it. We've never heard it. Now watch this, moms and dads. Your job as a mother or as a father is to prepare your children to enter into a relationship with God when they become adults. And if you haven't taught your children what it is to be loved and to be told that they are precious, when they become adults, they'll not understand how God feels about them. Parents, this may be the most important thing you have ever heard in your life. You want your kids to grow up to serve Jesus and to love the Lord? I'm going to tell you, you don't need to go to university to get a degree to be a mother or a father. All you need to do is you need to love your children unconditionally and make sure that they understand that you love them. And the wonderful thing is, is that when they become adults and they're on their own, you hand them off to the Father in heaven. You hand your children off to God, continuing to love your kids, continuing to be a mother and a father, but now your kids can enter into a healthy relationship with God. It's a huge responsibility. But it's the way God set things up, and it's for that reason that God teaches us in the Ten Commandments. Children, honor, respect your parents. Why? Because a parent's job is to prepare their kids to have a relationship with the Father in heaven. That's what this is about. Moses' mother had a fierce love that defied the authority of the most powerful government and the most powerful leader on the earth. Don't mess with a mother. Don't mess with a mother. Mothers, I want to encourage you to rise up and be great women of God who declare to your children that they are precious to you, that you love them and you believe in them, and you will be behind them and stand with them no matter what they do. No matter what they do? Pastor Allen, you don't know my kids. Have you seen my daughter's room? My son smells like he hasn't 
bathed in weeks. Well, not my sons. You need to tell them you love them. You need to make, it, make them sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they are the most important people in your life. Because I can tell you this, we're living in an age when people don't have natural affection anymore. If your kids, if I were to interview them right now and I, and I would ask them, what do your parents think of you? What would they say? Would they say, my mom doesn't like me. My dad doesn't love me. And you'd be shocked to hear that because you'd say, of course I love my kids. I bring home a paycheck. I feed them. I clothe them. I make sure they get to school on time. That's the way I was raised. Maybe it's time to break the mold. Maybe it's time to break the old patterns. Maybe it's time to establish a new one, a godly one. Maybe it's time for you to start being the parents that Jesus has called you to be. You need to tell your kids that you love them. Now, let me just say this in clothing, closing. It's been said that mothers are God's representatives here on earth. I think that's, it's a little bit on the sentimental and syrupy side. Forgive me for that. But I think it's true in so many ways. It's not a coincidence that God helps us understand who he is by comparing himself to a mother. Look what it says in Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. God compares himself to a mother so that you understand how much he really loves you. We're going to close with a video clip, and then I'm going to pray. is to get her to say, Alan, I love you. And uh, I wanted her to say, Alan, you're special or precious to me. I wanted her to say something like, you were your great-grandson, the best grandson. And uh, I, I laughed and joked with her, tried to tease her, prod her, poke her. But she just laughed and giggled and giggled and laughed but she could not say it. And then she died a few years later, never having said, grandson, my grandson, my beloved Alan, I love you. I'm proud of you. She told me that she was not happy that I was a pastor. She told me she thought I should be a shoe salesman. 
Yeah, ouch. <laughs> but you know what? I understood that it was because of the way she was raised. And she had no one to tell her that. I want to ask you to break the cycle. Tell your children, tell your mother, tell your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, I love you. You're special to me. Let's stand together, shall we?